Hello and welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopaedics. Callum Williams alongside Kendra D. St. Aubin. Uh, before we get things going, because uh, one or two people have asked, uh, we are going to continue to do the Sound of the Loons podcast right up until uh, the end of the year. So make sure you stay tuned to MNUFC.com and wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, lots of Major League Soccer playoff discussion coming your way. Uh, World Cup as well. Um, and of course, we'll keep you up to date with everything that happens in the off-season uh, with Minnesota United. Okay, so um, Minnesota obviously now out of the Major League Soccer playoffs after losing to FC Dallas on penalty kicks on Monday night. Um, first and foremost, Kindra D. St. Aubin, let's get your thoughts on the match as a whole before we dive into the season. Later on, by the way, we'll be joined by Manny Lagos, the GM of Minnesota United, to talk all things Minnesota United. But... Um, Thoughts on, on the defeat in Dallas, Kendra, and, and how everything went down? It's it's interesting, Cal, because like in the moment, I think as we're doing the game, it's really hard to absorb sometimes like everything that is going on in the match itself. And then when you go back and you watch it and you think about it and you hear other discussions about it, I feel like I can pick little moments and things that other people have discussed. And then I can also sort of focus in on what went well and what maybe didn't for Minnesota United. And to be honest, there wasn't a whole lot on my list of what did not go well, aside from maybe creating enough really dangerous chances and finishing some of those opportunities, whether it was on set pieces or whether it was when they had some opportunities to go forward and create some chances. But I think tactically their game plan was executed exactly how they would have wanted it. I think that they had a, a stout defensive shape. They caused enough problems. They clogged up the middle. We hardly said Jesus Ferreira, I don't think, in the first half. Um, he was dropping really deep to, to get involved, and we know he can sort of play that 10 role at times. So I think for the most part, they probably checked every single box that they wanted to going into the locker room at halftime, and then it was just a matter of, goals and when were goals going to come and, and could they hold on with the amount of talent that Dallas has offensively? Could they hold on defensively as they waited sort of for their offensive opportunities going forward? So um, that's why I think it felt like even more of a gut punch for me than it did maybe the, the loss at Portland last season is it felt like even though the scoreline maybe necessarily didn't show it in Portland that the team got outplayed um, for the most part and you know it just wasn't meant to be whereas this Dallas game it really felt like this this could be theirs for the taking they could go on if they had gone and gotten another um, I think it would have been theirs um, to hang on to so it's disappointing and we all know it has to end in penalties you can't play forever you could already see guys dwindling and dealing with injuries and cramping just through the extra time at the end of the season so um, I felt like it felt even more of a gut punch when you have to send it the season end that abruptly yeah um the fact that it does end so abruptly in major league soccer it does feel like a bit of a slap in the face doesn't it um it felt as though okay and correct me if i'm wrong it, it felt as though minnesota united gave much more in the second half it felt as though the game was a little more open felt as though they got the ball to Reynoso a lot more why was that the case well i think he stayed higher up the field um i i do think that and he didn't drop as deep as he did maybe in the last game against vancouver which you and i had talked about quite a bit and how that sort of hinders them rather than helps them. 
Um, but I do think having Robin a little bit more lively in there alongside Will Trapp, that continuity, I know they played together in the Vancouver game as well, but that was Robin's first game back in quite some time. So I think that him being higher up the pitch and being a little more effective, I think the wide players being more effective allows him more space where he can receive the ball and get, you know, accomplish some things. But then if you look at how the goal was scored and that switch, that big, nice ball by Will Trapp, um, to the right-hand side and Hongwane taking it and cutting inside, which at first, and I said this on the air after the, the goal happened, is my worry was that he didn't get the shot off. He was kind of stumbling over the ball, but he kept it through traffic and then laid it off nicely with a little bit of almost a toe poke. All that went exactly, you know, not as planned, but as perfectly as it could have considering how it developed. And I think that Ray continuing to be effective, not getting too caught up in some of the other aspects of the game, staying higher up the pitch, making himself available, not uh, drawing in attention and drawing in contact. Um, and I just think once again, for me, a huge piece of it is the solidity of Robin and Will in the center of midfield, because I do think when they are in there and they're playing together, there is something about um, that continuity and that forget what the, the word was that Adrian Heath used in his radio interview with you. Um, there was something about like just his, how he solidifies that when Robin's in there. And we talked about his record when Robin is in there. I think that that allows Reynoso to be um, farther up the pitch and not dropping back to receive the ball. And they played really well together. We'll, um, we'll focus a little bit more on this next subject. Uh, I'm assuming next week or the week after. Um, there's going to be some difficult conversations to be had now for Minnesota United and several of the players over the course of, we're assuming, the next week or so. Um, usually when Major League Soccer teams fall out of the playoffs, it's not too long in the distant future uh, before we see announcements of contracts being renewed, extended, and indeed declined. Um, how, how as a player, Kay, um, do you prepare for, for what is to come? Because you... You don't even know um, that there's, there's a handful of players that, that I'm assuming would, would be right on the edge and right on the cusp of sort of uncertainty and not really sure what their future looks like. Um, I can't imagine how the likes of Adrian Heath, Manny Lagos, Mark Watson are preparing for it. Um, this is the, the, the ugly and the, the not-so-fun part of the job. Yeah, and I think as a player, you have to hope and assume and each player knows this in their own mind that you put forth throughout the season the best body of work that you could when given the opportunity some of that is in matches and some of that is at training and for a lot of them it's a good chunk at training and not so much at in matches you know a player like an O'Neill Fisher or a player even like an Abu Dunladi who as we know um, didn't get as many minutes as maybe we we all were expecting the way his preseason went so I think there are some players that have to hope that they took hold of those opportunities that, and, and grasp them. And in your own mind, you'll kind of, that'll settle you or that'll make you a little nervous about what the future looks like, whether that's with Minnesota United or whether that's with someone else, because you're also in those moments trying to make sure that you're having a good representation of yourself, regardless of when, where you end up in the next season. You know, whether again, whether that's with Minnesota United or whether that's with somewhere else. So I think that um, the first couple of days after this Dallas game, I guarantee they're all just chill. I mean, that was a long season. That was right. a lot of work put in. That was intense travel. 
Um, you know, we got back at three in the morning or whatever, and, and just the, the amount of time and energy it's been putting on your body and mentally and emotionally, take a couple moments to chill. I think the guys had this week essentially off. I'm sure there's some regen or mm. rehab or therapy going on. And then you get back in and you start to have your meetings and you're maybe having your conversations with your agents and some are under contract and some aren't and some have options and some don't. So it really depends on your situation. But at the end of the day, just for your own well-being, you want, you'll know if you had, if you put your best foot forward and sometimes you don't have the best game and the best day at training, but you know, you put the energy and the effort and the time into it. And sometimes that's, you know, that's all you can ask of a player. So they'll know internally if they, if they did that or not, if they're being honest with themselves. Um, just finally, before we head to break, um, who's the one player then in your mind that is, is perhaps uh, right on the edge and we're unsure, we're, we're not entirely sure and, and, and perhaps... Um, there's an element of intrigue there. And the reason I ask is because my, my player is probably Jonathan Gonzalez, um, because we don't know what the situation is, but we don't know, um, allegedly, there's a suggestion that there's an option to pick him up. I, I don't know what that means. Does it mean permanently? Does it mean, again, on loan from Monterrey? Is there a situation where they don't agree a deal and he goes back to Liga MX or finds another move somewhere? Um, because I think we all saw in, in particularly the last sort of two or three games, he, he really offered something. Um, and could be a really handy acquisition. Now, obviously, Major League Soccer operates uh, as a salary cap league, so the salary has to be sensible. Um, but that that's the one um, where my mind wanders when I think of intrigue and, and what could possibly be. What about you, Kay? You know, I would say he's right up there for me as well. When I'm looking down the list and not knowing what everybody's exact contract situation is, um, I agree with you, I think, and you and I talked about this several times. He's a young player, but with so much good experience and never looked flustered when he stepped on the pitch, never looked bothered by anything, scored a nice goal by putting himself in the right spot at the right time against Vancouver, a very important goal to get the second one to really lock that win in to get them to assure the postseason. So I think I was a little bit surprised that he didn't come on the field. And if I'm remembering correctly, I don't think he was subbed on in that game um, at, at Dallas, but you have plenty of options in that midfield position. But for me, if you were to keep one of those, and again, I don't know what everybody's contract situations are, but when you look at who they have in the midfield, I know they feel good about Ariaga and his energy. I think there's a little bit more of a um, wildness to him, not an unpredictability, which can be good at times, but it can also be a hindrance at time in my mind. Um, I think Rosales is another one that they've always really felt good about. He has some versatility of where he can play. But I think Gonzalez, if you're looking for a player that is so calm on the ball, knows how to read the game, can can play alongside a player like Will Trapp if necessary or in that in that midfield underneath Reynoso, can push on and, and contribute to the offense at time when necessary. I think that he would be the one, one of the ones as well that would intrigue me the most of shows a lot of promise and that we've only seen a tiny little glimpse with Minnesota United of what he's capable of. Of course, we've seen him in the mix um, in League MX and of course with the men's national team and, and then with Mexico. But I think that he would be one that would definitely intrigue me to keep him around. And hopefully the salary is right and he's willing and wants to stay around as well. Lots of decisions to be made over the course of the next week to 10 days or so for Minnesota United. Uh, maybe we'll do a podcast next week once we get information as to who is in and who is out. OK, well, next up on the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics, we'll be joined by the Minnesota United GM, Manny Lagos.
When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopaedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers. With convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team, you're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. And a very warm welcome back to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alana Health Orthopaedics. Callum Williams, Kendra D. St. Aubin. Delighted now to be joined by Mr. Minnesota Soccer, the GM of Minnesota United. Manny Lagos joins us to recap all things Minnesota United and Major League Soccer. Manny, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Thanks for having me. Um, you know, oddly, it's interesting when you when you end a season, when you, you think you're, you're going to not be ending it, and then really having to focus on um, what next steps are. And certainly we, we do plan. It's not like you don't think about this stuff, but there's no doubt um, the last couple of days have been both um, tough to take, but they've been actually reinvigorating because when, when something ends, something begins. And for us, um, we're kind of in this mode right now where, you know, we, we have been planning a lot for next year over the last couple of months, but now it's really, putting those plans into action. So uh, there's a part of me that's really, um, you know, looking forward to uh, what's coming. Yeah, I, I am aware already people out on scouting assignments for Minnesota United. So no messing around. Uh, looking forward to seeing what the roster looks like next year. But before we even think of next year, uh, let's recap the last year, shall we, Manny? And before we get into the, the, the weeds of it and go into the early parts of the season and whatnot, um, talk me through the game in, in Dallas and, and what indeed you saw and what you took away from it. Well, I mean, I, I think uh, I saw probably one of our better defensive performances in the history of the club, if I'm being honest, uh, on the road. Um, you know, I, I think we uh, would put our hand up and say we hadn't shown well on the road defensively for about a month now. Um, and I thought that was a team that really embraced um, getting better in that space. And I thought that was a team that, um, you know, showed some of the realities of the grit and grind of the playoffs and, and really, a, a, I think, shut down a very offensive team at home throughout the year uh, in the West. Um, and, and we really gave ourselves a chance to have a great result and a great night. And unfortunately, um, we didn't quite uh, get there, whether it was the PK shootout, which is heartbreaking um, in itself, or whether it was just maybe at, at key moments, we couldn't quite push ourselves to to get the number four, to to get the chance and, and get the winner in, in overtime. So, but ultimately, I, I really, really thought it was one of our better away performances, particularly defensively, uh, that the club's ever had. What makes it so good defensively in your mind? Not just maybe, I mean, you talked about the grit and the energy of the playoffs, but what was it that made it so good on, on the night in Dallas? Well, I think Actually, it was, or physically, positionally, what, what was it? Oh, I think there's some great individual performance and then some great collective and, and group performances. Um, I, I think there's no doubt the, uh, the tandem of DJ Taylor and, and Bongi wide was really effective. The two of them were just, you know, uh, shifting and closing space and, and getting Dallas to play backwards quite a bit and, and really not allow him to get up that channel easily. And, and, you know, um, and I, I thought, uh, 
really uh, Robin, obviously, and Will Trapp both had great games and in their own way. I mean, and Will Trapp was all over the field, uh, had the assist on the second assist on the first, on our goal, um, and really, you know, broke up a lot of plays. And, and Robin provided a lot of stability along with Will in there that really, I think, shut them go down going through the middle. So, um, you know, the back line, you know, I, I could go on, you know, Boxy and, and uh, Brent were great, and, and Dane had a, a really good game. Um, and uh, Amari and, and Ray kept their shape the whole game and really focused on making sure we got behind the ball. So I think it was just a committed effort to really make sure we we stayed in the game the whole time and, and really shut Dallas down. And penalties, Manny, it, it can go either way. Again, I know I'm not exactly an encyclopedic there, but it, it is legitimately a toss of a coin, isn't it? And unfortunately, it just didn't go Minnesota's way. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's one of those debates. It's a cruel way to end things, but it, it's the way we do it. And it's the way we've always done it. And you know, I I, I felt there was unity and, and focus for the guys. And certainly, um, you're you're gutted for the for the team and even for Dane because you know um, he's had moments where he's looked like he's going to save every PK. Uh, and this is one of those nights where it just wasn't quite quite clicking. Um, but on the flip side, we had some great PKs ourselves, and we really uh, hung in there and still had a chance. So, it, again, it, it's one of those situations where you're gutted. Uh, there's not a lot more you can say, uh, except for we, we really pushed ourselves to try to get the win, and we didn't quite make it. Was it a very different feel after the game, after this loss versus the loss last year at Portland? And and what changes if it is a different feel or is a loss a loss in the postseason when you're when you're on the road because we're not in the locker room right after the match ends and, and stuff like that. But as a player, what is that like in the locker room after that moment? And does it do different playoff losses or, or you know have different feels after the game? That's a good question. Um, I, I would say very very lightly within the context of the representation of how we were playing on the road most of the year up until the last month. I think just like very quickly, there is a moment of like, that's more like how we should be playing and have been playing on the road all year. But the reality is, Kendra, it goes into like, we didn't achieve a goal of winning the MLS Cup. That is our goal. We are gutted. The guys were gutted. Um, you, you know, you you have these, you know, you're within seconds of either winning or losing the game. Uh, and you know, when, instead of us talking right now about the recap of the season, we're getting ready for Austin and that's not happening. So I think in the moment uh, for the entire club, uh, when we don't achieve a goal of, of winning a trophy um, and the guys have to, you know, absorb, you know, that that's our aspiration um, and, and the club, like I said, I'm, I'm a part of that too. And, and I think all the staff is, so um, it, it's really tough in those moments. I mean, it, it really is, um, how quickly you, you realize uh, the season's over and, and the playoffs is, is hard to swallow. It's a bitter pill to swallow. It's almost like a slap in the face, isn't it? How it ends so abruptly. Yeah. But um, let, let's rewind things a little bit, shall we, Manny? Um, again, Minnesota United finishing in the postseason. That's the fourth year in a row. The only team in the Western Conference to do that. How would you view the season as a whole? Well, I, I think, um, again, you're, you're, you're getting a... Uh, you know, three or four days removed from a, a really tough, gut-wrenching loss. Um, so sometimes my perspective might not be as um, uh, just as, as focused as I'd want it to be, but I'll try to be as, as honest as possible. I think, um, you know, I, I think we had a, a somewhat sluggish start to the season. And 
that's okay. You know, we, we learned about ourselves. We learned who we were and what we were and where we need to get better. And, and really <clears throat> coming off of the last, last year, what, what things were working, what weren't. And I think the inconsistency led to us really creating a nice run in the middle of the season. That really was the reason why we, for the fourth in a row, became a playoff team. You know, we, we, we learned, I think, from early on what we needed to do to start becoming a more consistent team to go on a run and win games and defend and attack and figure out how we were going to become a group. And I think that midseason run was really uh, vital to saying, hey, if we can put that kind of run in a couple more months, we're not talking about a playoff team. We're talking about top of the West and, and two, at least two home playoff games. Um, so I think there's some nice aspirational feelings about that run that we need to now extend and have an expectation of for us to really get to the top of the West or really push for that Western Conference title slash MLS Cup. I, I think we're going to have to be more consistent and, and have more runs like that. Maybe it's two of those type of runs in a year instead of one. Uh, but it's certainly, um, you know, from the beginning of the year, we're a little bit inconsistent to that really great run in the middle of the season. And then how we finish the season is something that we've got to make sure it doesn't happen again. You know, it probably was one of the worst runs in the his club, history of the club. Uh, there's no doubt um, we were struggling to get points on the road. We lost some tough games at home that we usually don't do. And all of that led to, um, you know, us having to win on the final day of the season to get in the playoffs. Man, there's no doubt that teams, every team has like ebbs and flows throughout the season. I mean, there's very rarely a team that doesn't have a little stumble along the way or, a, you know, a peak along the way, like you're talking about these runs. But how do you find that consistency? And I know there's no simple magical answer, but the great teams, you know, try to maybe weather those storms or make the highs and the lows not quite so dramatic. How, how do you find that? Is there a recipe for that or it's just a matter of, of time and, and finding your way? Well, I think it's a good question in terms of, and I think that the part of the, the question to Cal was four years in a row, we've made the playoffs. I mean, let's, let's you know, talk in a, in a really honest, positive way that that is very hard to do in a very competitive league. We have to give uh, our coaching staff that is working very hard uh, you know, to push us to try to win trophies. And they once again got us to have four years in a row as a playoffs. It's a great, consistent metric that we have. And we should really, really um, take some good pride. And there's a lot of teams in our conference and in the league uh, that can't say that. And, and I think, Kendra, that's a consistent metric that we can use now as a, a baseline of expectation um, and a baseline of, of making sure that we are um, – achieving that while we're saying the adversity now isn't that that's the baseline the adversity is now how do we push this club and push the staff to be in the top of the west and 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 buying for an mls cup and again I, I think that's um something that has to kind of be discussed in terms of how we want to look at what we did really well this year and how we want to get better um i think that could be talking about you know the individual players that need to be better or, or player moves that we need to make but it also talks about how getting more consistent will build into you being a great team. Um, and there's no doubt, um, like I said, we, we have that baseline of, of consistently making the playoffs. Uh, we have a baseline of going on some runs where we've showed some great consistency. And we also can put our hand up and say, you know, there were some inconsistent moments this year that weren't like us. You know, I, I don't think we had a great home record like we did in the past. We were a little bit uh, not as dominant. Uh, we, you know, we're, did really well on the road.
And then now we have to get back to being dominant at home uh, like we had in the first couple of years of Allianz Field. So how did the team achieve that then, Manny, with regards to personnel? What areas of the field are Minnesota United looking at at the moment to get themselves in a position where they can once again be in the playoffs and perhaps go even further next year? Well, I, I think there's a couple of nice things going on in the club and on kind of a macro level that I think are important as you try to kind of solve that conundrum of understanding that, particularly in the West, you know, Seattle's not going to lay down the fact that they haven't made the playoffs uh, for the first time in their club. They're going to come back at it. Obviously, Portland, uh, you know, has been the MLS Cup finals um, recently and um, will definitely uh, rebuild. And there's no doubt the West is going to get more and more competitive. And we have to kind of make sure we understand that we have to take care of what we think is important. And that's within the roster. There's a there's a ton of positives. There's a great core. Having Ray and Robin sign long term, I think, really adds a lot of value to how you can think about building that out and, and grow the group. Um, there's no doubt. Um, I think the areas where we want to kind of get more depth defensively is going to be incredibly important because we want to continue to kind of have a great balance of defense and attack and make sure that um, particularly we, we talk about the the Dallas game and how good we are defensively. That, that's got to be a baseline of of how we want to play and how we want to limit teams creating chances against us. And then I think offensively, we can be honest about how we need to um, figure out how that balance of being more dangerous and still being a really good defensive team uh, puts us in a way that we're we're allowing ourselves to defend against some of the great big attacking players in our league and in our conference while we can go forward and create chances and create goals. So I think um, a long-winded answer is, you know, I, I think we are going to definitely be thinking about how we can add to the pieces around some of these core guys we have for the future um, and be more a little bit more dangerous and how we go forward and how we create chances and maybe try to create waves of attacks and, and do that. Um, I definitely think, you know, um, we're going to want to get better at set pieces. I think that's an aspirational goal that um, we've had some nice set piece goals this year. My, my brain goes at Commons against LAFC was one of my favorite set piece goals of the year, but we need more of those. We need more of that kind of um, set piece threat as well to get our offense going and, and get chances as well. How much when you talk about those different positions and especially what is asked of the back line and the outside backs in particular, do you pay attention to age of players or age of the back line or um, effectiveness in the goal scoring opportunities in the number nine or the, anybody in the front four or three for that matter, it doesn't necessarily have to be the number nine. How much, do you look at a the effectiveness of the inefficiency of the number nine and b the age of some of the players in the positions that a lot is being asked of them in a in a very grueling schedule and season? Well, I, I think um, I think I would say that you know I, I was going to answer that the macro level of of just having the second team this year um, and having the pathway of even the academy and, and where we're going and just that the the ability to now think about um, younger and older players and, and the depth you're talking about. I, I think our staff and I think Adrian's, you know, really excited about thinking about the identity of the team and making sure we have a balance of young and old. So you can feel kind of good about that energy um, that you want to have on the field. So I guess my, my answer there, Kendra, would be, I, I do think the staff, and I think Adrian's really thinking about the identity of, making sure we feel like we have the right balance of experience and youth to really push each other and, and really have that. And I think that's important. I think the second team is going to going to help with that. And again, I think the staff is very aware of um, making sure um, we're not 
going too young or too old because I think that is kind of where we are. We have a really good balanced team um, and we have to build off of that. And again, I think the staff is, is really excited to embrace those, those philosophies. Manny, let me rattle off some names to you. Romain Metanier, Bakai Dibasi, Hassani Dotson, and there were several others as well. How much did those injuries affect this season for Minnesota United? Well, I, I think um, the easy answer is any injuries, and particularly to players who are uh, guys who bring their personality to the games and impact uh, results are, are going to affect your season. So I, I think on that level, it's very easy to massive in, in, uh, impacts, you know, whether it's leadership, quality in the field, uh, or whether you want to say leading to wins and losses. Um, but very quickly, that's every team in our league has that same reality. I don't think there's a team in the league that doesn't go through uh, a level of injuries that will affect whether they can have wins and losses. So ultimately, um, you know, that's what a season is. That's what a story is. Uh, you know, if, if everything was decided on paper, then why would we play the games and why would we do it? And ultimately, the story for us is that we're going to have to make sure we have build on uh, a, a group of players that can deal with adversity. Um, I, I think, again, like the staff did a good job of really trying to recalibrate from some tough injuries. Um, and again, uh, I think a credit to to the group for making the playoffs four years in a row and the staff really pushing for that consistency, even though we've had the, we had those type of injuries. And ultimately, uh, the next step is to understand that we're going to have injuries uh, and how do we deal with it and how do we kind of deal with the adversity of that uh, will be important moving forward. A huge piece of, you know, the the loss of not just Asani Dotson, which was much earlier in the season, but also Ja'Cory Hayes, which came a little bit later in the middle of, how did you view and how would you sort of rate Jonathan Gonzalez or Yosef Rosales, you know, in being able to fill in in a center midfield role or be utilized? And then obviously Robin slid back in there, but like how, how that's, that's a lot of pieces of a puzzle that a coach and a staff has to sort of navigate those two in particular, maybe more so even Jonathan Gonzalez for where he came in. How do, how would you sort of rate their, their season? Well, I think it, it was a strength of the team. You know, I, I think there's a lot of depth in that area. I think there was um, a, a lot of uh, nice synergy between older players like Robin and Will and some nice younger upcoming players like, uh, Joseph and then you know uh Jonathan was was an experienced player that's um you know kind of came and just added a little bit of uh you know kind of quality and and again that's in training that's the games that that's it, it just had a nice mix to it uh even though we had Asani and Chikori out and I I think probably for me the the, the again on a macro level the the most disappointing thing for Chikori probably was the reality of the impact of what it did for wins and losses at times but for me, it's just, it was, Dracori's still on the ascendancy in terms of what he can be. And he lost a year of development. He lost a year of building into this great player he's going to become. Um, and I, I think that was just, you know, that's, that's hard on at the timing of a career. So it's exciting for him to, you know, kind of be in a cycle where he should be back at the beginning of the year, um, knock on wood. And, and exciting because, I, again, not just for us and being selfish for the club itself, but just for him and his personal growth of trying to be a trajectory of becoming a top two-way midfielder in the league, um, you got to get out there and play. you got to get out there and learn and grow, and, and hopefully we can do that together next year. One more on, on a, a similar subject, Manny, before we move on to get some playoff predictions. We are recording this on Thursday evening, so we've got some <laughs> mouth-watering playoff games to look forward to this evening. 
Um, this is not an easy week for the football club now. For, for somebody in your position as well, I can't imagine how difficult it is because you've got some really intriguing decisions to make in terms of roster movements. How do you even begin to navigate what the next 10 days look like? Well, I, I think, um, you know, the most important thing is that, you know, the staff and the players, uh, and we really hold ourselves to the reality that we have an expectation of, of winning trophies and winning championships. And um, again, we should definitely uh, reflect on those good moments of the season and, and, and really embrace that um, it is an accomplishment to make the playoffs in a league that is in, like has the most, by far the most parity of any league in the world. Um, and, and it really is an important uh, metric compared to some of these other leagues around the world that really are top heavy and these teams don't have expectations of making playoffs, just surviving. Uh, and, and that kind of um, competitiveness in our league is, is something we should be really proud of. And I think um, with that though, this staff and our expectation is to build on how we reflect and plan and how we have already based on, we want, to be higher in the West. We want to grow. And I, I think um, the staff uh, has done a good job, uh, even in these days when you're gutted and you're kind of um, a little bit exhausted about the emotions of what happened the other night. Uh, but the planning's there. I mean, it, it's going to be happening. It is happening. Um, it's it's a little more complex when you have to deal with the, the uniqueness of MLS and and salary cap and roster build. Um, but it's all, it's all there, Cal. It's all there to say, hey, there's going to be some raw, honest conversations. There's going to be some honest discussions. There's going to be a ability um, uh, to make sure we're on the path that we've already been on, by the way, for the last couple of months, if I'm being honest, uh, in terms of where we're trying to go with, with certain things. And again, um, I feel like the, the staff uh, has done a good job of, of staying focused, uh, of trying to make a playoff run, which we didn't achieve, but they've done a really good job of um, trying to absorb that emotion and try to be uh, energetic, enthusiastic for where we need to go next year. Okay. Um, appreciate the honesty, Manny. Let's focus then on the teams that are remaining in the playoffs, shall we? As we mentioned this evening uh, on Thursday, Cincinnati, Philadelphia Union, and LA Galaxy, LAFC. Um, I'll be blunt and ask you your predictions and what you think may very well happen this evening and then indeed over the weekend when the other games take place as well. So let's start with these four games. I think they're the best four games. You know, I mean, I, I think they're the best matchups. Uh, you, you know, you got the Eastern Conference game, Cincinnati, Phillies offense versus defense, really. You know, it's structure of Cincinnati versus, I'm sorry, of uh, Philadelphia versus the kind of freewheeling offense and, and offensive players of Cincinnati. It It's a credit to Cincinnati that they've won a road playoff game and they've made the playoffs and they've had a lot of stress over the years. And I, I think... Um, it's it's nice to see that they've got some stability and and really um after three tough years i just think philly's at home and the year they've had is is going to push them through um probably two nothing is my my guess in that game um but maybe three one maybe three one so since i said there's some some offense there um and then the second game that the the traffic would be awesome you know i i think um the Galaxy have been playing some really, really good sneakily, some of the best soccer in the league over the last month. Um, you know, they're, um, they've seemed to solidify their midfield a bit more. And then Chicharito has been scoring goals. Um, 
So I, I think it's a great matchup. Uh, I'm, I'm having trouble picking against LAFC at home considering the season they've had and where they've been. Um, but since this is just a show and I can do whatever I want and I don't really have a good answer, I'm just going to throw it out there and have an upset of 2-1, um, the Galaxy over LAFC uh, to really get the, the first big upset of the playoffs. Can I, okay. Before we move on to the Texas and the the Western, the other games, what makes what makes FC Cincinnati tick, and what makes Philadelphia go? Like when you look at those, you talked about where you know Cincinnati's been the wooden spoon winner for the last couple of years, and you snuck it in there that they might score a goal, uh, maybe a three-one. And we don't won't even get into the World Cup discussion of Vasquez and whatever else. But what makes Cincinnati, what was the difference this year for them to go from the bottom of the league to where they are? Well, I think the easy answer would be, you know, Bremer has, has really evolved into an offensive threat. Vasquez has been a revelation. Uh, Luciana Costa is a maestro for them. So um, those three players is the easy answer. But the reality is, is they stabilize their defense. You know, they, they now can go into a game and get a shutout. Um, and with their offensive talent, um, they now have a, a group that can defend and, and really limit, um, uh, you know, losing 4-3 a lot or whatever it had been in the past. So to me, um, you know, they're, they're more balanced. I, I, I guess my weird prediction moment for you guys here is that I still think Philly's balance of tough, tough, tough structure defensively, uh, I think. If, if it limits them uh, getting chances, then I, I think Philly's got a really good chance of, of going forward because they've shown by good defense, you can have great offense, uh, which is what Philly did this year. Yeah, um, I would completely agree. Matt Miazga was a wonderful pickup for, for Cincinnati. Uh, and interestingly, with Philadelphia Union, we, we did see the announcements uh, on Wednesday. Andre Blake announced as the MLS goalkeeper of the year. He got my vote. Uh, Jakob Gillesnes, also the defender of the year. Another player that got my vote. KLC, you nodding. I'm assuming that's the way you went as well. I want to get your thoughts on the other side of the bracket, though, Kay. The Texas Derby, as you mentioned. Dallas against Austin. Uh, we'll start with that first, and then Manny, I'll get your thoughts on New York City FC against Montreal. Okay, let's start with the Texas Derby. I think it's going to be Dallas. I do. I mean, I know Austin has proven to be a difficult place to play, but I also think that they're not in great form, and they nearly got beat by Real Salt Lake in the last match, which we all caught when we landed at the end of our flight down to Dallas. So I think it's going to be Dallas. I think they're going to find a way to, in that Texas Derby to go on the road and, and get the upset. And, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know. I just, as, as good of a year as Austin's had, um, I think they've had some inconsistencies that have cost them dearly at times. So we'll see. It's a pretty crazy atmosphere, but I think that Dallas will get it done. Manny? Um, I'm going to play a homer answer here because I'm a little bit bitter still, which I am. And I'm just going to say we, we took everything out of Dallas emotionally, physically, and they're not going to be up for it and going to lose 2-0. Okay, there we go. And then let, let's get your thoughts on, on New York City FC against Montreal, in fact, as well. Montreal, the home side, Manny. Oof, that's another really even matchup. And and it'll be a great environment. And Stad Zaputo, they had a great environment the other night. Um, different than a lot of our teams. Uh, you know, the um, that city really has a little bit more of a European feel to the, uh, the game. Um, I probably wouldn't go with, Montreal 2-1. Wow. 
Okay. Okay. Manny, real quick on that, I think it'll be Montreal as well. But do you think that um, are they always like the little little ugly stepchild uh, to the Canadian teams? I mean, why doesn't Montreal get the proper? They've had a fantastic season. I don't feel like they get the proper attention that they deserve up there. Yeah, I mean, I if just I, I go by the soccer, and this is the best I've ever seen them in terms of consistency. Uh, they're every every line of their group is really solid and, and they play as a unit and they attack well, they defend well. Um, they've had a great year. Anytime they've, they've had a game or two where they kind of slip, they kind of rebound with three or four or five really good games. So, um, you know, my, my metric is that they've had a great consistent year of soccer and, and, you know, they started off in that playoff game really well. Uh, and real quick, Cal, there's no chance you get out of not making a prediction on any of these games. <laughs> You can't just sit there, pretend to be the host, and not make a prediction. Well, it's my role, is it not? Um, I, oh, well, um, now I'm, well, we're going to add an extra five minutes now because I'm humming and hiring and thinking and overthinking and all this kind of stuff, there's, you know. There's no, also no chance you haven't already thought about this. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I, it doesn't mean I've got a definitive answer. Um, <laughs> I, um, I'm actually going to go, uh, so first and foremost, with the, the freshest game that's in my mind, I'm actually going to go New York City FC winning in Montreal, um, just to play devil's advocates. Um, I think Austin will beat Dallas. I think Philly will beat Cincinnati. And I think LAFC will beat LA Galaxy. Uh, no time for analysis. You'll have to tune into the next podcast uh, to listen to that. So, uh, Manny, thank you so much for the time. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, special thanks, uh, as always, to Kindred D. St. Aubin and our expert button presser, Grace Dearson, and, of course, to you, the listener, as well. Uh, much more Sound of the Loons coming your way right up until the end of the year. Stay tuned on mnufc.com. You've been listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast, presented by Alina Health Orthopedics.